This is Seattle Sports Diaries Podcast. Now, here is your host, Mike, and the rest of the SSD gang. going on everybody welcome to a brand new episode of seattle sports diaries i am your host and today there is no dj he had a little bit of a family emergency but i am joined by the co-host of young juice podcast is that correct young soul minded young soul minded podcast Jaden sheffy and also a former husky athlete as well uh Jaden, thank you so much for joining me today man oh, of course thanks for having me uh yeah absolutely uh so big thing to talk about of course is uh just this past week us mariner yeah. fans have gone through perhaps one of the most incredible rides that we have gone through in the last 21 years uh especially in the wild card series against the toronto blue jays uh you know the game one game one was absolutely perfect they had pitching they had the clutch but they had the clutch hits that they needed right away they got some alex manoa first thing in the first inning and of course as we all know big dumper with that big old butt of his <laughs> launches one into the bullpen absolutely perfect yeah for game one no doubt uh and then of course uh game two was perhaps one of the most i think the greatest comeback in mariners history um oh, sure we we and and again we had the 10 run comeback against the padres but it does not compare to an eight to one comeback in the wild card in the wild card series to clinch uh, a series, be able to uh, get a home, you know, to basically secure a home playoff series. Yeah. Uh, but as we see right now, the Mariners are currently down two games to none against the Houston Astros, and that is where we are now. And Jaden, you know, dude, I need to ask you, man, this Mariners team is something special and we've seen it the whole postseason right now yeah um i want to say that this mariners team is better than the astros i know that's i know that's a bold statement sure. but the mariners have been in these games for two straight games if the astros didn't have Jordan alvarez they wouldn't have diddly squat on us <laughs> <laughs> you know i think when it, you compare both teams one thing Houston definitely has on us is the, well, the experience. And, you know, they've been there before, been there many times. Uh, just it goes from the top down, from their management to the players. Um, got a couple guys that have had gold gloves. You know, you look at just out in the field, you look at Alex Bregman, you look at Jose Altuve. Um, so they got some def definitely some, some solid pieces. And then their outfields is good, too. And one thing about the outfield for them is, they're all tall. They're all really tall. You got Tucker out there in right field. You got Alvarez in left field. So it's already a deep lineup as is. So the way the Mariners have been playing the past two games has been, like you said, it's been phenomenal. But just that's the thing about baseball. You know, a couple outs, a couple swings, and it changes the whole momentum of the game and the whole momentum of the series. 
and unfortunately that's what happened that that's what has happened to us yeah i mean you know i'm being honest with you man you're absolutely right about the astros having the more playoff experience that's that's the only thing that i think that the that the astros this is the reason why that they are uh two games up on us and we are not uh, at least we didn't and because I'm going to be honest, we could have at least split this series, split the series oh. in Houston with no the Houston Astros, but unfortunately, the bullpen gave it up. Yeah, I mean, I, and and you know what? I, th- there needs to be a little bit of criticism towards Scott Service. I get, I get it. I, I mean, people are going to react the way they are. Sure, but why? You know, just why on earth would you? I, I'm being honest. I'm being completely honest. Um, <laughs> if I'm Scott Service in that situation, I'm telling Seawald. We're going to walk Alvarez. I'm going to warm up Eric Swanson. Yeah. I'm going to bring him in. I'll let him face Alec Bregman. I will take my chances with Alec Bregman. And, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, but that's that's just as bad as Alvarez. No, it's not. Uh, I, I would rather face Bregman than Alvarez because sure. Alvarez is playing at a Barry Bonds type of level right now. Because oh, definitely. Can we we can we can both agree the two most dangerous hitters in all of baseball right now are playing in the American League Division Series. It's at yeah. it's Aaron Jones or excuse me, yeah, it's Aaron Jones or Adam Aaron Judge. What the <laughs> wow. It's I don't know good. what the hell. I don't know what happened. Anyway, so it's Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez. Those are the two most dangerous hitters in all of baseball. Yeah. And you know, and I I need to give I need to really criticize Yankee fans today because you're seriously going to boo the man who hit 62 home runs. You're going to boo your. This is why Aaron Judge it's Yankee fans, man. You can't be no, this is why that. Aaron Judge is going to come to Seattle next year. He doesn't want to get yeah, booed by those fans. I caught it come on Twitter. See, That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yes, come to see. No, come to Seattle. We won't boo you if you strike out four times. We don't boo. We don't boo Julio when he strikes out four times. But I mean, yeah. like, we'll just we'll boo the umpire because they gave him bad calls. But that's about right. it. But right. um, Jaden, this is the big thing for tomorrow, though. It's Game Three of the American League Division Series. Uh, George Kirby is on the mound. I think the Mariners made the correct decision in putting George Kirby on the mound instead of Robbie Ray. Now, I posted a tweet about this the other. I think uh, not yesterday, but the day before. I have faith in this Mariners team. I will never give up that faith until this series is over. I believe the Mariners can come back down two games to none, possibly get the series back to Houston and take this series. I believe it. Yep, I agree. But in I, I think I think if we're gonna be realistic though, I I think we do need to prepare that maybe Saturday might be our last game. But I, I'm going to be honest with you, Jaden. If if Saturday is indeed going to be the last game of the season for Mariner fans, um, we're definitely going to be a little upset. But you know what? We I think all of us fans need to be super super proud of this ball club because oh, for sure. I mean, everybody doubted them when they thought they were out of it early in the season. Yeah, and you know there there was plenty of baseball left to be played. What happened? They went on a 14-game winning streak and got back, you know, 10 games over 500. Yeah, and and it's and and it was unbelievable. First of all, it it was unbelievable that the Mariners did had a 14-game winning streak because 
uh, they were kind of being put together with glue and tape at that point. <laughs> there was some injuries. Yes, there was. But, you know, the resiliency of this Mariners team all season long has been amazing. And it's been absolute, and it's been one hell of a ride to watch. And, you know, I, I do believe it. I believe that here tomorrow in game three, we're going to win. George Kirby is going to go seven brilliant innings. He is not going to give up a single run in this game. That would be awesome. He's been he's been playing phenomenal. So I have a lot of a lot of confidence in him tomorrow. I want to go back to what you mentioned about uh, Seawald and Alvarez in that first game. You know, you can kind of come at it from two angles, right? You can come out of it from kind of a competitive angle or an analytical uh, angle. And what I mean by that is the competitive side. Obviously, Scott made the decision to go ahead and put Ray in, you know, for whatever reason, he he thought that Ray would go in there, left-handed pitcher, and throw to Alvarez. That was his call, right? That would, and, and, as, and, as, you know, as he said before, like, Ray's his guy, so we understand that. I don't and mean he, to interrupt you. I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you here, Jaden, but I, I think that right there was the biggest boneheaded mistake that Scott Service has made all season long because yeah. I would not have put in a guy who has a 10 ERA against the Astros. I'm sorry. I get that you want to get the lefty-lefty matchup. Yeah. But in this case, I don't know. I I, I might have just stuck with Seawald. I, I probably would have stuck with Seawald in that, well, in that situation. Yeah. That's why I go with the analytical view is because Seawald against Alvarez, I think he's had a total of nine at-bats against Seawald. And Alvarez has hit under 180 against Seawald, whereas with whereas with Bregman, Bregman's hit over 300 against Seawald. So, you know, you look at it that way. But you also ask the question: Okay, yes, you want the left-handed pitcher. What about Boyd? What about Swanson? We haven't seen Swanson yet. And I was very surprised that Matthew Boyd did not get brought in because uh, we have not seen one. Uh, we've seen a little bit of Matthew Boyd. Uh, just from the Toronto series, and he was brought in to be a lefty specialist. Yeah. And why service? I I don't understand. I think service being a first year uh, postseason manager, I think the jitters might actually be getting to him. That's just my take. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if 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 you wanted to bring in a lefty, I would have put Matthew Boyd ahead of Robbie yeah. Ray. He's been playing good baseball lately. Been pitching really well. I'm ever and since I I want Boyd back here next year. I, I want him oh, yeah. back here next year. And there's there's some fans out there. I won't name names because I'm not going to do that. But some of them are saying, you know, oh, Boyd isn't that great of a pitcher. And I'm just like, have you have you seen what Matthew Boyd has done for this team since yeah. he has been with this team? I need to pull this up. But Matthew Boyd has been a when I first heard that Boyd was a Mariner. I was so happy because the the Seattle kid actually being able to return to yeah. uh, Seattle. So in in thirteen or in ten games pitched, two zero with a one point two three five ERA, thirteen and thirteen and a third, uh, a a zero point nine seven five WHIP, which is impressive. That's Very. damn impressive, and you know. Uh, there's there's other people who are criticizing the bullpen. I get it. You know, pitching is supposed to be our our strength in this postseason. But again, you know, you could have the best bull. You could have the best team in the world. Uh, let me let me go back 21 years. There was a team that won 116 goddamn games. 
and they barely escaped the division series from a wild card Indians team, and they couldn't even they couldn't even get to six games against the Yankees. Yeah, and 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 it's the same. It's the same thing in this in this category. I mean, you could have. I'm being honest, and I and I said this last week on the podcast. If the Mariners were to win this series, mm-hmm. if they find a way to come back to win this series, no team is beating them. There would there will not be a single baseball team to beat this team. I believe that if the Mariners get past the Astros, I would agree. They're going to win the World Series. And whether it's the 111 winning Dodgers who we are seeing are struggling right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it, <laughs> I think it's so I think, fun. I think I think Houston's the most complete team in the playoffs though. Houston is the most complete team as of as of right now. I mean, if if I was to say any other team, I honestly wouldn't be saying the Dodgers. I would I would honestly say that the Braves are more complete than the Dodgers are. The the only reason, in my opinion, that the Dodgers are as good as they are is they are the Yankees of the National League. They buy their players. Yeah. I mean, and uh, we'll t- we'll talk about this here in a second. But free agency is coming up here, mm-hmm. and right now, you know, the Mariners. Mariners next year have a decision to make, and I don't think that, uh, as he's very well known on on Twitter, Captain Slapdick Adam Fraser, I don't think he's going to be. I, yeah, no, that's his nickname. Uh, I, it caught on for some reason, but I don't think Adam Fraser is going to be part of the Mariners next year. I don't, I don't foresee him being part of the Mariners team. I feel like the Mariners might actually move JP Crawford over to second base, and they're going to go get someone big in the in the free agent market at shortstop because. You know, look, I, I I think that if you add one or two good bullpen arms in this offseason, that's good. The pitching has the pitching, the starting pitching. You don't need to change a thing. But what the Mariners do need, they need to go out and get some bats. Yeah. They need to go out and get bats. And one of the best parts about this offseason, Dansby Swanson, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, um, Bogarts. Uh, Xander Bogarts, yeah, and you you have five really good shortstops that are going to be free agents. Uh, you have Aaron Judge, who's going to be a free agent, mm-hmm. and you know the the question is is who do the Mariners target? And you know the one of the first names that comes up to us, especially you and me, is Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge yeah. is the one is the one guy that comes up, and with Aaron Judge being. I think 30, 31 years old. I don't know. You give him that. I don't think you give him that super deal. I think you give him, I think you kind of give him a Robbie Ray type of deal. You give him a five-year deal, but you max out that deal as much as you can. Five to seven is what I would give him. Five to seven. Yep. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Cause I, cause I do believe that Aaron judge has got at least five good years left in him. No doubt. The the reason I want five to seven is because 10, 10 plus like a Juan Soto type deal doesn't make sense because that ruins your ball club. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of run out of cash doing that. But giving him five to seven, that leaves you with Aaron Judge and Julio until Julio's contract hits before he turns 30, where the club has to decide if they want to pick up his option. So mm-hmm. you get both of them before Julio's 30. Let's just say let's just say five years. You get them both in five years. You add a bat. Now, obviously, that leaves you the question with what do you do with Hanniger? Because Hanniger will be a free agent this year. And I think, um, I think a lot of people. So I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I, 
I say that if you if there's a free agent out there that that you can that can play right field and that can hit for you. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. I, I think you walk away from Mitch Haniger. I think you do, even though if if you can't if you can't get Aaron Judge, if you can't get a big name, you give Haniger at least a one year deal. Yeah. And it, and you know, look, I, it it really pains me to say that because Mitch Mitch Haniger's gone through so much bullshit. He really yeah. has. He's gone through so much crap. I mean, look, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you, Jaden. I have testicular cancer right now. I know what he went through with that type, with that type of pain. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he lost. I think I think he got it surgically removed. Uh-huh. So. You know, and then of course you had that sprained ankle that I saw. I was in Miami when I saw it, and I was just like, I "Think that was in I Tampa, saw, right? That happened in Tampa." No, it was in Miami. Oh, okay. It was in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. And when I first saw it, I just went like this. I'm like, "Can this guy ever just catch a break?" Yeah. And you know, look, I, I said it. I said it last year too. I think the Mariners should have traded high when Hanniger was an All Star. I think the Mariners should have done that when they had the chance, but you know, I mean, missed opportunities, but uh, you know, this past season, the the Mariners made one of the biggest trades possible and it was uh, to get Luis Castillo. We have our ace. And the, the, my first impression when I actually heard about that trade, this was, this was hilarious. And and it comes back to the free agent talk. When I heard that Noel V. Marte was getting traded because Noel V. Marte is scheduled to make his major league debut next year right i don't know i don't know if the reds are gonna leave him down in the minors for an extra year i don't know he's a good player too he is he's a he's a really good player he's a he's definitely got the almost like i want to say three or four tool type of player and but with noel v Marte getting traded that told me right there that the mariners probably are not going that they they didn't want to rely on the on the prospect for a future shortstop so that tells me that Jerry Depoto is thinking free agency, and yeah. you know, look with we've Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, we've got the money. We have Julio Rodriguez. We have Luis Castillo. We have such a great young core of, of players that are going to be in a lineup with other veterans. But I think the allure of Julio Rodriguez and Luis Castillo will start to bring players to the Seattle. I mean, it it's kind of like this. Imagine if we had vintage Ken Griffey Jr. right now. Yeah. Imagine if we had him on the team and the Mariners had just ended the drought and people are seeing, you know, one of the best players in baseball play in the playoffs for the first time. Let's say that. That allure is exactly what Julio Rodriguez is. And he brings and he brings the the mentality that players want to come to Seattle to play with these guys and probably get, because I believe that the Mariners here in about two, three years will be World Series champions. That would be awesome. It would be. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, I got 2024. I have 2024, uh, the okay. Griffey year that we're going to win the, the World Series. I hope I'm right on that one. But, uh, you know, one of the other things that uh, the most unfortunate thing about this Houston Astros Mariners series that is bringing out the really bad in is all of the it's just the twitter feuds i i don't understand it like fans are just what is it about sports that just brings out the nastiness in people i mean it's it's horrible yeah i think you know i mean all fans are different but i think a lot of it goes back to some people are just really consumed in their their city sport and a lot of people like you see a lot of the negative comments and a lot of the 
comments directed at players like a lot of those people you know respectfully don't have a lot going on in life so they got nothing better to do than just either start an argument or talk about some talk about an athlete negative and I mean, being a former athlete like one thing that i know for sure is what people seem to forget is like these guys are all people just like us right they have feelings mm. they have emotions you know they have day-to-day lives that, that we all have as well it's a lot more than just hitting a hitting a ball off a bat or throwing a football throwing a touchdown or you know making it making a making a three-pointer it's a lot more to life than that so I think people get kind of get lost in that and, and it's easy to because you get passionate about your sport and get passionate about things that you love but that's just kind of the reality of sports that comes along with it especially in our social media era yeah i mean imagine if imagine if twitter was around during griffey's time and griffey had like an over five game uh like i'll, get, I'll go back here a couple I'll, I'll go back here to back to 1997 where the you know, the, so the Mariners have been to the American League Division Series five times in their in their postseason uh, franchise history. Mm-hmm. One time that it's only been one time that they've actually been a, a first round exit, which was 1997, and Griffey had one hit in that entire series against Baltimore. Oh. And it, just imagine if Twitter had been around; so many people would be ripping his head off. And it's just and it's just like, why would you rip off the head of one of the best ball players? that's in the game right now. I mean, Barry Bonds has had it. Barry Bonds has had his struggles and imagine if Twitter was around during his struggles. I mean, look at, look at Aaron judge right now. He's uh, I think Oh, for seven with seven strikeouts. And the fact that Yankee fans are just absolutely, they're they're putting so much pressure on him. And I just don't think, I don't think it's fair. Look, you know, that's what happened. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know, I've never been a professional athlete myself. I've been a student athlete and you know, I've never felt the pressure of like the the fans of the school team or anything. I've never had to go through that, but I can only imagine what you have probably had to go through, especially with like student fans and all that stuff. And it's just sure. you're absolutely right. You know, I, I whenever I like meet an athlete, especially uh, when I went to Tampa Bay this past year mm-hmm. uh, and Miami to go watch the Mariners play the, the Marlins and the Rays. And I had such a great and all I did was just have conversations with guys including Jesse Winker. And I didn't treat Jesse Winker like he was, you know, this guy that's getting paid millions of dollars. I just treated him like he was a normal person. And that's exactly how players want to be treated. But it's a shame that people just put these players on a higher pedestal than others. Uh, Fine example. I wanted to actually talk to you about this. This this Devontae Adams crap that came up this past week. Um, First of all, the photographer, all it is is just a money grab. Oh, for sure. And that, and that's the first time I've ever agreed with Stephen A. Smith. I can't stand Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> I really can't. But, you know, for you to sue a player because he shoved you just a little bit and you fell down. First of all, you didn't go to the ER. You didn't get you didn't get injured. Everybody can tell that this is just a money grab. And it's the same thing with, uh, well, not the same thing, but it's like with Bobby Wagner. He's getting sued for assault. And that's right. Yeah. And first of all. I'm going to say this. If you run out to the field on a football field and the security guards don't tackle you, uh, uh, one of the players will. So guess what? You deserve it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But it's just, it, it's so unimaginable of how people put players on a higher pedestal and they expect more out of them. And it's, and it's not fair to the players and it, and it puts a lot more stress on them. And it's just, and again, it's not fair Yeah. to me. It's, it, 
that's absolutely not fair and it's and it's so incredibly arrogant of people to do to players it's a very thin line and you know a lot of people don't understand that what whatever sport it may be it could be football basketball um baseball these athletes go through a lot especially with social media nowadays the the mental strength and the mental capacity that you have to have playing this game is very very challenging a lot of people don't understand that so when a situation like the bobby wagner thing happens or devonta adams it's like these guys are just you know both of those players specifically they don't have a track record of doing things wrong they don't have a track record of hurting people these two give back to their communities they're they're good guys from what we all can see you know so we all have our moments of weakness we we act out in emotions and we 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 act out of instant reaction sometimes and to be held to a standard that these guys you know should be canceled or fined or suspended because of just a small interaction like that it's like you said it's not fair but again that's just the reality of the sports in our era right now well i mean when you mentioned canceled you know that that's that's one of the worst things about uh the age that we're living in is you know i try not to get too political on the show by the way but yeah i hate cancel culture yeah i i, I absolutely so this is so this is my again i'm not trying to get too political by the way but I this is you. why i don't like cancel culture because um we this <laughs> so everybody for the for professional sports are referring to the cleveland guardians past teams as the guardians but me personally i i i, I call them the indians i I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't think that there was anything wrong with the name i understand where people were coming from though sure. i understood it i understood it completely sure. um now here's a funny story for you when i was actually down in arizona so uh i used to work at a lids down in uh the down in chandler and they were right next to the to the uh native american uh, reservation okay one day one day a couple uh, about three guys uh who are native american come into the store and they're like where's your chief wahoo hats i pointed them all out and i said what size you need he's like oh just just give them give them all to us and i was like you want all these you want all these wahoo hats and I was like, you don't find those offensive? He's like, no, no, it's not offensive. We love and I thought it was I thought it was that was a great conversation that I had because yeah. they didn't find it. They they love the logo. But again, I'm I'm getting off the t- I'm getting off topic, but no, uh the the wrong the bad part about cancel culture this year it, or in this age is with players, if they if they put one little step out of line, all of a sudden everybody jumps down their throats and it's it's so unfair. Yeah. It's so unfair because, you know, these players deserve to have their moments. They deserve, they can mess up here and now. I mean, but it's just like, uh, I can't remember uh, who it was last year for the Raiders, the wide receiver who got, who was, uh, had the DUI. Henry Ruggs. Um, who was it? Henry Ruggs. Yeah, there we go. Now, th- when, when that happened, that's, it's okay to criticize it because he made, the ultimate dumb mistake and he ruined not just his life but he took a but he took a life with him i mean don't get me wrong i'm not one to bash people but when it does come to stuff like that that i actually it it, it needs to be addressed because that was the wrong move and sure. with all of these players having like ubers and lifts it's amazing of how many mistakes they do make but i think that players are allowed to make mistakes it shows that you're human it really yeah. does show that you're human and yeah. for people to hold athletes to a higher standard than everybody else 
is such a crock of garbage. Yeah. I always like the analogy. Um, I forget who it was, but there was an analogy that, okay, let's pretend. So we all see in our society how much athletes get bashed for things that they do, whether mm -hmm. good or bad, right? I think LeBron mm -hmm. James is a perfect example of that. But let's let's take, for example, your your local grocery store clerk or cashier. What if they were getting yelled and screamed at at their job all day for just doing their normal job, right? Maybe they misplaced a grocery in a bag or it dropped. What if what if that type of like level of attention was on them? How would mm -hmm. how would, like how would they feel? And so I oh. think you have to like break it down on like small analogies like that, where you can kind of get on other people's levels and relate to them in that way. And you really start to see, okay, you know, maybe the the attention that I do give these athletes and putting them on this pedestal is, is maybe not the right the right approach. So I think there's multiple analogies that you could you could get you could glean from this, but at the end of the day, like like I said earlier, everyone's a human being, everyone's gonna make mistakes, everyone has their own opinions. It's just about, you know, realizing that and moving forward with that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, it, and it's the same thing with college kids, with student athletes. I mean, they're put on such a high pedestal and, and so much pressure gets put on them. And I can only imagine what that had must have been through, what that must have been, because I mean, look at Michael Panix Jr. right now. He's he's gotten so much pressure put on him, and now and I and I've and I've seen a bunch of tweets, yeah, from the UCLA game, from the uh, Arizona State game, and I'm just like, so you're going to praise him when he did so well, mm -hmm. but he has he has bad games, and then all of a sudden you're jumping off shit. That is that's such a, I mean. I don't know. I mean, this is just it, it's so hypocritical, and it and it bothers the hell out of me. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, you know, even with, with that aspect alone, um, being a quarterback's tough. You know, it's about it's all about what have you done for me lately. I think you can see that at every level of football, from college to professional, um, even high school, really. But that's really what it's about. Um, it's about what have you done lately? What did you do the last game? Because that's what people remember. People remember the last game. So if you have the type of day he had against Michigan State in the very next game, against uh my gosh who was it uh ucla you know he's gonna have a different reaction from fans and that's just the territory of the position um, obviously you don't see that same level of criticism and stress on a maybe like a running back or tight end or receiver um unless a big play happens where they accidentally make a mistake but you know it's, it's always on the quarterback whether win loss and people don't understand what goes behind the scenes you know with as far as coaching and admin things everything everything around the football team is centered around the quarterback and that and then next is like either the oc or the head coach so those are really the three people that get the most get the most uh attention and blast if you will yeah yeah no 100 percent uh by the way for everybody wondering uh we always tell i always say this every show there's that little banner down there we just uh put out a new episode of bs commentaries on youtube uh, Apple and Spotify. Uh, if you guys are not yet subscribed to BS Commentaries, go ahead and do. By the way, and here's some big news: found out last night that the that we finally had a 1,000 viewed video. 
I always thought that, and I always thought that, I always thought that was cool. I thought it would have been. That's here's awesome. the thing: we we have two videos on BS commentaries that have over 500 views. One is uh, the the Dante's Peak podcast that we did, and the other is Heartbreak Ridge. You ever heard of those two movies, by the way? I have. First of all, Dante Heartbreak Ridge, one of my all-time favorite uh, Clint Eastwood movies of all time. Uh, it's got a little over 600 fo- uh, subscribe or views on it, but awesome. uh, the the Dante's Peak podcast got uh, has over uh, a thousand and a half views, which I was beyond shocked. <laughs> and cool. uh, yeah, so we just did uh, Red versus Blue season six last night. Uh, it was always fun. Uh, and it and it was always uh it, you know have you ever seen Red versus Blue by the way? I have not actually. Oh, oh, oh you got to see it, man! It's it's one of the it's funniest good. online shows of all time. It really is. Uh, real classic machinima type of uh seasons where like the seasons are like an hour and a half to two hours, but you definitely love it, man. It's a, it's a great comedy series. Um, but yeah, getting back to this, uh, you know, let, let's talk a little bit more Mariners real quickly before we get on to the Seahawks because uh, I. Sure. Actually, I want to say this though: uh, the Geno Smith MVP watch is still going on, and it's unbelievable because I love it. Yeah. Uh, I could I confirmed it with DJ. It was I told him this. I said if Gene, I think Geno Smith will get an MVP vote before Russell Wilson, and if he does, that would be crazy. If he gets, if he gets one single vote, both me and and DJ will buy a Geno Smith jersey. I and I will put it right. I will put it in my goddamn. I will put it in there. I mean, the only thing is, I don't know which. I don't know which jersey I would get. Whether it be action green, home gray, or white. Might actually like get the, the white one. I get. I like the grays, honestly. Yeah, definitely, man. But uh, but yeah. So getting on to the Mariners' uh, free agency. So again, uh, the, the 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 positions that I think that the Mariners should address in this offseason. Of course, right field, the shortstop position, and that's it. And the bullpen, actually. Uh, so, so you have three. Yeah, you do need to upgrade at shortstop because, um, again, I think JP Crawford will get moved over to second base, which I will be fine with that. Yeah, I'd be perfectly fine because I, I, I will say this: I love JP Crawford to death. Um, so many people criticize JP Crawford. And I will say this: I hate every single one of those people because you cannot badmouth a man like JP Crawford. Right. It's just impossible to hate him. I got the jersey. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah. Well, you got the Sunday alternate, man. You got to get the teal. Teal's better. I, I need to. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually do have the uh, teal Julio Rodriguez jersey. So, oh, dude, I'm I'm beyond jealous. I, I'm so jealous, <laughs> man, because I I need to get I need to get it. So I went to the double header this past. Uh, the, the last doubleheader with the Tigers yeah, and sure. yeah and one of my fr- I, I was in uh, Edgar's Cantina for both for both games okay and the first one I don't know if you so if you actually watch the Kurt Casali home run you'll mm-hmm. actually see a guy jump up like this and of course uh, my fat belly is hanging out of my shirt <laughs> someone took a screenshot of it <laughs> and I'm just like this is what I will be remembered as that is the photo that will get put on my tombstone <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny. That was the first time. That was actually the first time I actually spent a whole game in Edgar's Cantina, and I loved. Uh, it's a good vibe. It really is a good vibe. I think it's a lot better than the pen, yeah, and the reason why. Um, so I've said this to multiple people. I'll sell this to you, Jade. I will never. St- I will never watch another game in, in the pen for as long as I live. 
because it's I think it's such a bad atmosphere because people in the pen they they're not interested in the game they're interested in drinking and talking but with but with Edgar's Cantina you get perhaps one of the best views in that ballpark and people are people are talking but they're very interested in the ball game as well but they're also very interested in making sure they don't get hit by baseball (laughs) absolutely but uh yeah, I'll send you that. I'll I'll DM you that clip because yeah, see if, see if you can actually get me out of the pick me out of the <laughs> the the people. It's it's hilarious, but uh, yeah. And that's and the best part about that double header was I went to that and was able to pick that one up. Oh, there you go. I was I was the first one to actually get this hat. I was actually the first person to actually put on a postseason hat. That was Mariners. Huh? You going tomorrow? <sighs> I can't. I, I I wish I could. Um, my boss texted me today. He's like, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna let you go to the game tomorrow." And I was just like, "I can't. It's sold out. So I'm gonna work." Okay. And because That's because he, it really is a bummer because I I I really want to. I really really want to actually. I wish I could have gone to to get to tomorrow's game. Are yeah. you you going to the game? I am. Okay, you need to do me a big favor, Jaden. <laughs> if they give out rally towels, which I think they will, I need mm. you to get one for me. I need you to get grab All one right. for me, my man. I can do that. I pre- I appreciate it. So, getting back onto the free agency. So, again, uh two positions the Mariners do need to uh fulfill is you get one or two bullpen arms. Edwin Diaz is a free agent. Yeah. And I cannot believe that I am actually saying this. <laughs> Why Please excuse my French, by the way. Why the fuck have the Mets not given that guy an extension? Yeah, I, I don't, don't understand how the Mets have screwed that up. Yeah, I'm not sure. Even the Yankees with Judge, I'm not really sure how that's all going down. Well, Judge is unhappy. I think he's just unhappy. And so, but the Mariners, again, again, let's go through these uh, guys. So we have Correa, Swanson, uh, Bogarts, Trey Turner, mm-hmm. and there's someone else... It's shortstop, and I cannot think of his name. But you have four incredible options. I think I think we can say that Trey Turner's out because I I, I don't think Trey Turner's leaving Los Angeles. No, I don't think so. I so, think Bogarts is kind of like the number one, in my opinion. You think Bogarts like, is the number one guy in terms of like possibility to get? I think he would be number one. Um, All right. Dansby Swanson, I would really like to have Dansby Swanson in Seattle, but he's definitely going to be expensive if he was to come this way. I, and you know what? I, I, all of them are going to be expensive. Correa is going to be expensive. Bogarts yeah. is going to be expensive. I, I think of the two, or out of the three that we just mentioned, I think that Bogarts and Correa will bring the most money. Um. And there's and there's a few Mariner fans out there saying, oh, I don't want I don't want Correa on this team. He's a he's a freaking. Sh-. Here's the thing. Guess what? I don't give a shit what Correa did. I would want him on this team because yeah, you you cannot deny that that, that that's a good player. It would be the only player that is that is an Astro or slash former Astro that I would never want to see wear Mariners teal. Jose Altuve. I never right. want to see that little. I would never want to see that little twerp in a Mariners uniform. I'm sorry. Um, I wish the Astros hadn't extended Jordan Alvarez. I would have loved the Mariners. Know, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> that would have been but, great. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, 
it's definitely interesting to see uh, who the Mariners will be going after. I, I, I like what you just said. I think Xander Bogarts is um, the absolute choice for the Mariners. Yeah. And so uh, Bogarts right now, if I'm looking at this, he is... Um, so he's got Scott. So he's got he's he's uh, with Boris Agency. So he is got a Scott Boris agent. Oh my god, <sighs> that's tough. Well, actually, Xander Bogart says it, he's signed through 2025, but yet he is going to be a free agent this year, Maybe which I find I, I I find that really interesting. I think he's going to be opting out of the contract. That's why. Yeah, it might be an an option type of deal where he can opt out if he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't looked into it completely, but I did know that he was going to be at least a restricted free agent this upcoming season. Uh, I think pending the uh, arbitration deals. I think that's what it is, pending the arbitration deals. But, you know, if Bogarts is not going to be the guy that gets onto the free agent market, then again, you have Swanson and you have Correa. And yeah. I'm not going to lie. If I'm looking at Correa, I want to look at age. That's what I want to look at is... Mm-hmm. Uh, is age and let me go ahead and pull this up. So Swanson is 28 years old and Correa is 28. So that's good. So both of yeah. them are 28 years old. That's the best part. Um, but if I'm looking, if I'm looking at them stat wise, and I'm looking at like career war and going analytical wise, yeah, I'm going with Correa. He's got the better numbers. He is the better hitter, uh, stat-wise. Because if you look at Dansby Swanson, this is mm-hmm. now. Don't get me wrong. Dansby Swanson is a damn good hitter, yeah. but he in in a full season. I'm not going to count the COVID season, by the way. He played all 60 games for COVID, but in a complete full season, he actually played 162 games this year. He batted 277. He's only hit above 250. Um, in a full season twice. Yeah. He's a lifetime 255 hitter. So that kind of, that does, that does kind of take me away. But if you look at Carlos Correa, I mean, he's had some injury seasons, but in the seasons that he has played healthy, I mean, you look at that batting average and it speaks for itself. He bats over 270. Uh, the lowest batting average that he ever had in a full season was, um, was 2018 where he batted 239 yeah and this guy brings the power and he's able to draw the walks that's what i'm also looking at he's able to draw between 50 and 70 walks a season and i love that and i love that comparison i because you know one thing that i loved about dylan moore this year is people people want to criticize him so much but i like demo what does dylan moore do that is so valuable he gets on player. base. He gets yeah. on base. That is the big thing. And the, the the on-base percentage right here that I'm looking at for uh for these guys, you know, uh Correa slightly has the edge on him. He's got the yeah. edge on Dancy. So I I definitely I think Carlos Correa could probably end up as a Mariner. Could you actually imagine if the Mariners were to actually get Carlos Correa and Astro fans would lose their minds? Oh yeah. No <laughs> doubt. I think some Mariners fans would be upset too. Oh, no. Absolutely and it's it's 
it's a little bit of bull hell if if people get upset. Like, who cares if, if Carlos Correa is going to be a Mariner? Like, you know, you know, Seattle fans, we like to complain. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it's the weather. It's the weather. <laughs> but um. <laughs> All right, so we got to talk a little Seahawks real quickly. And uh, here in about 15 minutes, uh, Roman will be joining us uh, from uh, realdog.com. And we'll also go over the uh, preview, the upcoming game for the Huskies. And of course, first of all, Jaden, I need to I need to say thanks so much for actually being able to take, the uh, you know, an hour and a half out of your day yeah, to, yeah. to talk Mariners and Seahawks with me. Because, no yeah, I mean, uh, you were just on Pacific Northwest Showdown, yeah. which I need to give those those ladies a huge shout out because those those ladies are doing it so well they're they're yeah. they have yeah. i think they have the better podcast i will we're even not, admit we're not, it we're not going to compare y'all are both <laughs> doing y'all y'all are both doing great things appreciate it appreciate it but yeah so the seahawks unfortunately lose another game to uh due to uh def- defensive inefficiencies um you know in the past three weeks the seahawks have scored Let's see. That's uh, that's eighty-seven. They have scored a hundred and ten points, and are one and two. Yeah, I, I mean that's bad. That that's just really bad because, you know, Geno Smith has played his ass off his yeah. the whole year long. I would not be surprised that if the Seahawks had a had a decent defense, that maybe the the Seahawks could actually be five and zero oh at this point. Yeah. I was just and, having a conversation with that with my friend last week, um, just on the record overall. I mean, the, you see the way they've lost their games. It's been really close. Um, but a couple defensive, some defensive breakdowns have kind of obviously shifted the momentum in those games. So that's really the big difference maker. Yeah, it really is. Um, uh, the bad part uh, about this game, and I can't, and I can't stress this enough. I feel, I feel so sorry for this guy. Rashad Penny is out for the year, yeah, and that was tough. You know, another, another people, guy like Mitch can't catch a break. Yeah, no, it. I mean, it's just it. It's so hard to watch a guy go down like that. It's not right. But Kenneth Walker the third. Um, can we please just laugh at this for a moment? His his first touchdown run. Went for sixty nine yards. <laughs> <laughs> that boy can I, play. I, I know, I know, I know. It's immature to say that, but uh, guess what? We're guys. I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> but I mean, no, it was it was really great to see Kenneth Walker able to get the ball. Eight carries for eighty eight yards. Uh, Rashad Penny was having a good game. Eight carries for fifty four yards. And uh, you know, when he went down, I mean, that's just again, it, it's so hard to watch a guy like Rashad Penny go down and not being able to catch a catch a break yeah. and it was just it, it's so difficult um Geno Smith in this 16 for 25 uh 268 yards three touchdowns uh two of them going to Tyler Lockett one going to DK Metcalf Metcalf and Lockett combined for a total of 10 catches for 192 yards and three touchdowns and I need to also bring this up. Can we just admire the Seahawks tight end group? Because those guys, it's those guys are so amazing because I, I don't think any team in the league has a, has a tight end core. Like we do. Um, The only, the only one that you can really 
uh, say has a better one is the Kansas City Chiefs with just Travis Kelsey, of course. Um, <laughs> but every single member of the group of the Seahawks tight end group is absolutely is doing is doing so well. They're getting open. They're abs. They're they're finding ways to make plays. The yeah. the bad part about this game was the Seahawks had control. The Seahawks had control midway through the second quarter. And then all of a sudden the defense just finds ways to blow it. I mean, I don't, this might actually be an overreaction, but I think if the Seahawks do cannot find a way to get their defensive mistakes fixed by the end of this next game, I say Clint Hurdle needs to be fired as the defensive coordinator. And I think you need to look for, for a new option because, um, Again, look, I, I mean, you look at the games that the Seahawks have played. I mean, you uh, you, you look at this, the, the Denver game. First of all, I'm really surprised, especially with how bad Russell Wilson is playing, that that game was so close. 17 to 6 win over the Broncos. You lose two straight to the Niners and to the Falcons, 7 to 27 against the, the, the Niners. And then, of course, a 27 to 23 loss against the Falcons. But, um, the game that really started standing out the most was, of course, that Detroit Lions game. Because, first of all, for anybody who picked the over on this on that game, that's a, first of all, nice guess. <laughs> uh, who the who the hell saw that game getting put up uh, ninety three points? I don't yeah, think anybody saw up. that one coming. Especially with uh, Detroit, all their receivers hurt. That mm-hmm. was an impressive game on both offensive sides. It really is, uh, but yeah, so big thing is if the Seahawks so I'm looking right now this is this is something that we always do so I'm looking at the betting line real quickly for the Seahawks so the the Seahawks in this game against the Cardinals or oh yeah against the Cardinals right now uh two-point underdog which I'm very surprised I'm very mm-hmm. surprised that it's only two uh the over under is 50 and a half. And I'm going to say I think I I think I'm going to take the over on that one. I'm going to take the I'm going to take the over, but I'm I'm also not taking the points on this one. I don't think um Well, actually, you know what? Looking at looking at some of these you no, know, I'm not I'm not going to take the points at all. I'm not going to take these points on this one. Um I don't know if you're a gambler, but it, but I always we always go to the points in the in the in the betting at. So, are you, are you taking those points and are you taking those odds? Uh Yeah, I would I would go with that. I mean, I, you're I going with the two points. No, I'd take the over as well. Okay. Yeah. Definitely taking the over on that one. Um, let's see what I any think, of the, I think just in general with, you know, you look at the NFC West, it's a very fair game right now across the whole board. I mean, it, mm-hmm. not really not any team is dominant right now. It's pretty even across the board, but the thing about the matchup that's happening this Sunday, Seahawks versus the Cardinals, I think you're going to see a lot. Um, at least for Arizona, I think their run game is going to be really good. Seahawks have been struggling against the run this season. A uh, big part of it, too, is, you know, when you just talk about defensive scheme, their scheme's different this year. In the past, we've seen, you know, more of a, to really get, ana- or not analytical, but to really get uh, technical here in regards to the game of football. In the past, we've seen a lot of cover one, cover three. So that means we've ran a lot of man, one high safety. And even with cover three, that means, you know, the difference between the two, just to simplify things is instead of the corners being pressed man, typically, you know, they're in their zone coverage. That's what cover three is. So mm-hmm. the corners in a safety have in, in cover three, they have a, a third of the field. So 
that's just to get you know specific within the defensive coverage but that's what this, the seahawks have done in the past when we had the legion of boom and we had a great defensive line and pass rush back in the day in the you know 2013 2014 season now with this year the, the difference is you know we're seeing a lot of two high safety looks for the seahawks and that's really been the difference uh, but with a lot of that you know it's left a lot of gaps for teams to kind of gush us with, with the run game so Hopefully that can get adjusted. As you said, yeah. with your kind of bull prediction, you know, firing the DC, I don't think that will necessarily happen. But if it does, I don't think it would happen until after week seven. Usually you give yourself I, seven games to kind of get settled in. If things don't change from there, you kind of have to ask some questions. I definitely agree with that one. Yeah, no, you know, uh, so here's something uh, I think <laughs> I think you're going to like this one. So, uh on the uh, on the DraftKings for the uh, first touchdown score, um, I kind of just want to put ten bucks on this to see if I see if it'll happen. Um, so there's a plus nine thousand for Nick Ballore to be the first touchdown score. That's not going to happen. No, it's That's not. Crazy. But I mean, you put ten bucks on it, you're going to win nine hundred dollars. I mean, come That's, on. That's pretty wild. You might I as mean, well. Right? I, yeah, I mean, I went to Vegas just a, a few months ago. I came back with six grand in my pocket. There you go. Very luck. Just just complete luck. That's all I will say. But uh, not, not a bad trip. No, not a bad trip at all. When you go in with more money, when you come out of Vegas with more money than you walked in with, you, you, it's a win all the time, even <laughs> if it's just like five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I think uh, if you do fire the defensive coordinator, it's it does come in if, after week seven, and I think week seven. Uh, let me go ahead and look at the Seahawks real quickly because I think week seven is the. No, that's not the no, that's not the Buccaneers game. That's not the Buccaneers game. The the oh no, it is the Buccaneers game. It is it, it or week seven is. Uh, Oh, no, I, I just missed it. So week seven is actually going to be after the Chargers game. Okay. So, I mean, that'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see how well Geno Smith performs out there in Munich. I really wish I could go to Germany because and watch that game. That that honestly seems like so awesome. much fun. Uh, the guys over at the 12, po- uh, what is it? Uh, Lofa Tatupu's podcast. Uh, I want to make sure I get this correctly. Um so uh, the Take 12 podcast uh, with uh, Lofa Tutupu and uh, Brent da- Davern, uh, they're doing they're doing good things over at that podcast. Really appreciate them. Uh, they wanted me to do a little bit of a put in for them because they're, they're, they're still doing a uh, ticket ticket bundle where you can actually go to the game, uh, get a hotel and actually uh, do something really special before the game even starts. But uh, here's a game. Here's a game that I got to ask if you're going to the Apple Cup this year in Pullman. You going? No, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I, I got about my tickets, year. man. I got my oh, tickets. Yeah? They're they're right behind they're right behind the Husky bench. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That'd be a good experience. Yeah, and the best part is that uh, just yesterday I finally got these brought in these leather uh, cold weather gloves with a really good f- fur lining. So my hands are definitely not going to freeze in that one. You're ready to um, go. Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be so much fun. Uh, I got a buddy of mine who's gonna buy the ticket off of me. Uh, Really got to give a huge shout out to Mike Martin over at realdog.com for giving me uh, the game time app, telling me to go find the game time app because that that ticket app is amazing because the tickets that that's I all, bought were. That's all I use. Yeah. The, the, see, the tickets that I bought were $500 over on Ticketmaster compared to two for 300 where I'm sitting. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just, I'm going to take that every day. Oh, for um, sure. 
So, um, what else do we have? I, I need to I need to let Roman know that he can come on right here. Uh, but uh, oh, so here's here's a good question for you, man. This this is something I I always want to ask our guests. So, Xbox or PS4 or PS5, by the way. I'm an Xbox guy. Okay, good. So I'm actually going to be getting the Xbox here next week, and we're starting a Twitch channel. Um, okay. Have you seen the trailer for PGA uh, 2K23? I haven't. I'm not. Dude, I'm not a huge gamer, unfortunately. Oh, I was going to ask, man, if you wanted to join the Twitch stream and be be a part of that, like do some call, do some Modern Warfare and all that. We, we I definitely need to go pre-order Modern Warfare. That's one game I definitely need to get. But. Uh, yeah. How long have you been? You said you're just starting the Twitch stuff. Uh, yeah, so we're just we're we're gonna be starting the Twitch stream here um, in about a week or two, depending on how the. Uh, uh, so DJ's gonna be DJ's gonna be uh, doing a little bit of the stream. I gave him the login information, so he'll be able to do that. But uh, uh, yeah, because uh, sorry, uh, but no. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to decide when I want to buy my Xbox and when I want to spend that much money. And then I, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a tough decision. It's a lot of money. It is. I'm trying to save as much money as I can for, for the holidays begin. But uh, no, I mean, I, I can't wait to start the Twitch stream and start streaming. We're we're gonna uh, the first game that is gonna get played is of course PGA uh, 2K23, and I think I might actually just give in and go buy it tonight. I might just give in and go buy it tonight. Might as well, right? It's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Man. And the bad part is that they said that I can trade in all my uh, my PS4 and my games. And the bad part is that I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to give up my PS4. That's the bad don't part. Do, don't do that yet. No, I, I don't think I, I don't think I will. But uh but yeah, I mean, I dude, I appreciate you for for definitely coming on here, talking some uh, Mariners, Huskies, and Seahawks. Of course, Roman's going to be making his appearance here in a second. Yeah. And uh, first of all, Roman is amazing. He's been such a great uh, addition to this podcast. My my former co-host was just texting me, uh, David. First of all, you would have. I I wish David was still a part of this podcast. He was he he was there in the beginning because uh, when I first started the podcast. Um, the co-host that I had was not really the most helpful. I'll say that. I don't want to really criticize him that much, but David, when he came on, he really did help make the podcast better. But, uh, and there he is. Here it is. Here's the man, the myth, the legend. We got Roman on here. What's going on, dude? How's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, Jordan Sheffy, Roman, Roman, Jordan Sheffy. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. (laughs) All right, enough chit chat, ladies. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, so uh, bringing up unfortunate uh, events from the past week, we must do this because it's it, ugh. 45-38 Huskies lose to the Arizona State Wildcats and are now officially unranked as they deserve it. But I mean, Roman, what the heck happened in this game, man? It was just really tough to watch. You know, the the defense, it, it just looked like they got put in a bunch of bad situations, unfortunately. It looked like uh, Arizona State did a really great job of just kind of finding open receivers, exploiting one-on-one coverage when they got it. Um, they were able to get a bunch of plays over the top. It was really kind of tough to watch when the safeties just had to keep coming down into man coverage, and then they just they just got beat over the top. It happened time and time again, and that's just that's been the story of the last couple of weeks, uh, for just from, from my perspective at least. That's, that's just what I've been able to see. 
yeah i mean it was it was tough <laughs> to say the least it was tough to watch this game um huskies in the second quarter of course absolutely the defense has not looked good and something something's got to give here for with the with the defensive we were just talking about this with the with the seahawks you know the seahawks have had their defensive struggles and now and and Jaden, what did you see in this game that that was most concerning to you um i don't i wouldn't you say concerning as of right now i think you know just with the game of football stuff happens like that all the time right and you know when it comes to the defensive scheme for the huskies a lot of people you know if they if they don't understand this but what's actually going on is the huskies defensive scheme right now is a lot of cover zero cover one which means they're playing mostly man all game long which really forces you know there's a lot of extensive film that goes on week to week uh when you're preparing for an uh, preparing for an opponent and what they're seeing is the huskies are unfortunately really thin in db right now a lot of injuries a lot of young guys a very athletic group of group of guys but you know, a lot of that experience and what offenses is so potent as they are right now, they're really trying to exploit those young DBs and man coverage. And as Roman, you mentioned, safeties are having to come down and play matchups and play one on one. You know, we saw that perfect example against UCLA. The same thing kind of happened. So it's just an adjustment they got to make right now. And I think they'll be fine long term. But, you know, as football and any sport, you know, sometimes you have adverse challenges. You got to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jaden, actually, you, you you brought up a really great point. Talking about just the young DBs, they're really excited, really athletic. One guy that has really stood out to me personally, and you mentioned the UCLA game, is uh, Javion Green. I've really loved watching him play this year, and I thought when yeah. he came in uh, second half against Jake Bobo, he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Watching him in press coverage is just like one of the most fun things I've ever seen. That dude just has no fear, and he will get up in your face, and it's yeah. so much fun to watch. What, like, just from your perspective, what have you seen from him, whether it be in practice, on the field, that you like so much that has just kind of led him to burn his red shirt already? Yeah, I think, you know, with guys like that, especially being young, you love to see guys that are not afraid to make mistakes and be aggressive right out the gate. And I think that's the kind of the presence he brings to the defense. Um, you, you, you like DBs that are kind of have that ball hog mentality. And that's just what he brings to the table. Um, he's been aggressive. He's he's long. You know, he's really tall. He's lanky. And seems like, you know, as far as just with the Seahawks, too, uh, they like their corners that way as well. So um, when you have a guy that size and can run and can stick with tight ends and stick with fast receivers, you know, there's there's really no defensive coordinator's dream other than that. So he's, he's playing good ball right now. He absolutely is. He's, he's been yeah. so much fun to watch. Hopefully we see more of Elijah Jackson this weekend, too. It looks like he's OK, thankfully. Yeah, EJ, yeah, he, he's I been mean, dealing with an injury in the beginning of the season. And that's my boy. So shout out, EJ. Uh, wishing him all the best coming up the, the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, one of the scariest things in this game, of course, was Michael Penix Jr. getting hit. Uh, I want to say he got blindsided by this hit, but was uh, walking off. But he is uh, cleared to play this game uh, this upcoming week. And really... You know, I'm really happy that he is going to be playing here against the, against the Arizona Wildcats because it, it would have been a very huge loss that if the Seahawks were to lose uh, Michael Penix Jr. Because again, you know, Penix, I, I still think he is a Heisman candidate. I think he's a Heisman candidate right now. I still think that he can definitely lead this team to more victories because the, the, the Huskies are still on that 10-win projection, which... You know, if we were to get into the nine or ten wins, you know, I'm fine with it. Be able to get into a decent bowl game, but uh, 
you know, I I officially have a new rule for us, Roman. I'm never giving my predictions again. Everything <laughs> fell off. I will say I am the reason why we lost this game. I mean, I I I, I will say I respect you uh, taking that route. This is this is why I just don't jinx things and I just don't go that route in the first place. Um, but one of the, one of the big things that was just it was really scary to watch that hit. Just the way it was just kind of got high load. It's it's it's, it's never fun to see that. Good to see. I uh, I heard Caleb DeBoer say in the press conference on Monday that he is okay, just a little sore, and that he'll be able to play. And I just I love I love watching him play. I love talking to him. He's got such an amazing group of receivers around him. And you're you're right. He absolutely still should be in the Heisman conversation. Uh, but one thing that I I really want to see, and I I mean I don't blame him at all for no touchdowns on last Saturday. The the wind just seemed like it really picked up and. I know that's something they, they talked about on the broadcast and in the second half, especially. But um, one thing I, I really kind of want to see him, and it's not him doing a better job, it's just kind of um, kind of a little bit more on the coaches to just get this guy more involved. Is I want to see way more Cameron Davis on the field because mm. that dude is just the definition of a dog. And watching him out there is so much fun. Three touchdowns last Saturday. I, I I truly feel like he could be one of the best backs in the NFL when he gets that next level because he's got that three down ability. He can run between the tackles. He can run outside the tackles. He can catch the ball in the backfield. And he can pass protect. I mean, Jaden, you obviously know more more than both of us combined on on this one. What what is it about Cameron Davis that makes him so special? Yeah, no, CD is my guy. Uh, one thing that you know I, I I can attest for I think everybody in that locker room is the kid's really a hard worker. Um, he just comes and. To practice and brings it every day kind of has a you know that positive mentality that's what you want in teammate the positive mentality the the mindset that you know we're going into this week we're going to win and that's what he brings as you see on the field he's just an overall competitor so you know I, as him being my friend like i wish him all the best moving forward as well but you know as you as you said roman you know being him being out on the field definitely pays dividends for the team as a whole yeah, uh, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, you're you're absolutely right, man. I, I would love to see Cameron Davis to get more involved, uh, especially here against Arizona. Um, I don't know if Arizona, I don't know what Arizona's stats are, but I, I believe that they do struggle with the run game. Um, they have. I think this game will be a shootout coming up. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um, fun, so fun fact, you know the the Cal uh, the California game. I want to bring this up. You know, uh, Arizona allowed over. Uh, 300 yards of rushing uh, Jaden Ott for, for California 19 attempts for 247 Good, yards I like that kid I mean yikes goodness gracious like seriously you have a near 300 yard game and then of course uh, th- th- this past week with Oregon I'm looking at Oregon stats right now and y- you have you had four guys run the ball for over 60 yards I mean this is definitely a game where I believe that the Huskies need to establish the run game uh, quick and efficiently. Cameron Davis needs to get involved on the running game. Uh, Tula Papa needs to get involved into this game as as well. We could probably see the Huskies maybe have three guys go over uh, 50, 60 yards if possible in this game. But this is but the, the I think the key for this game is you have to get the run going. You got to get the run going against a team that struggles against the run, a team that has given up almost a thousand yards or no, yeah, almost a thousand yards in what is it three games of rushing and i mean when you have teams like that but i mean we said this last week uh arizona state had a terrible defense and the huskies didn't take advantage of it but this is the week that the huskies need to take advantage of a bad run defense and get the ball moving on the ground 
No, absolutely. Um, I I think that uh, the passing offense will always kind of come first in just with this team and this coaching staff mentality because they just love to throw the ball all over the place. And I think they really are going to have to throw a lot to stay in this game because the Arizona passing offense is no slouch itself. Uh, Jaden Delora has done an awesome job this year. Jacob Cohen is one of the best receivers in the conference. And then they got a freshman, Tatiro McMillan, too who is just a beast, man. Those those three guys have been awesome this year. I know they have, they have one other receiver too who's been great this year. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, so I'm sorry to that guy. Um, but they've they've been really, really great. And so the there's not really gonna be a lot of choice, but they're going to need to throw the ball this year. It's gonna be about just breaking off chunk plays in the, uh, in the run game whenever they possibly can. And just kind of keeping the defense on their toes is, is gonna really be just the best way to stay in this game. Yeah, I think, definitely. I think for this upcoming game, you know, when you look at just from an analytical perspective and the stats of Arizona's past past games defensively, when you see that they are giving up, you know, so many rushing yards to opposing teams, it kind of tells you a couple of things right off the bat. It tells you, number one, that their defensive line interior is not strong. So you really have to attack that. I think second half, you're going to see a lot of the Huskies maximizing their RPO. That's going to be crucial for them this game. What that means is run pass option. So, you know, utilizing guys like CD, Wayne Tulipapa to, you know, either give the ball or having Penix keep it for himself and throw it and out to the flat or, you know, into a bubble screen to like Jalen McMillan or Romo Dunze. So I think you're going to see a lot of that this weekend, really establishing that run because, you know, like you said, I, I think this will be a shootout and to really take advantage and getting back on track in the right direction. Establishing the run is always number number one priority for teams going into games like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jaden, I got a qu- I got a question for you. Just kind of going off of the RPO thing, because yeah. obviously you, you've been with the team for a couple of years, and one one thing that I I'm really curious about is just kind of how that sort of aspect of the um, of the offense has been involved from last year to, the, to this year, where obviously sure. it's it's night and day, especially in the passing game. How has that kind of been coached by DeBoer and by Grubb? And how have they just sort of been able to um, just install that? And what has sort of the reaction been with the uh, the offense? Yeah, so from like a coaching perspective, when you start out running the RPO, like it, it really requires a lot of repetition uh, with all your guys to really get it down because RPO is really, it's, it's obviously on the quarterbacks, but it's really about the mesh point with your running back, making sure the timing is all aligned, making sure that you're seeing things on the field. So from a quarterback perspective, you, when it comes to an RPO, you're reading a couple things. First of all, you're reading, typically, um, you're reading the defensive end. Does the defensive end crash? If he crashes, you pull the ball and you throw it out or you keep it for yourself. If the DN stays at home or kind of expands down the line of scrimmage, then you're giving the ball almost every time. So a lot of RPO plays, uh, it depends on, you know, off different offenses and different coaches, but some plays are designed to just an automatic run and some plays are designed to where it is a true RPO read pass option or run pass option, excuse me. So really it's up to the coaches. Um, it differs for each team, but what I really like what the Huskies have done this season is the up-tempo and the speed of the offense is really was what has been killing defenses because when you already, especially from Arizona standpoint, when you already don't have a strong defensive line, it really creates a nightmare for your linebackers and safeties to come come down and make tackles. And so second half, when you're keeping that up-tempo speed going, you're running the ball, you're just pounding it down their throat, it, it's really hard to manage and keep up with them 
throughout the course of the game. Yeah. Um, three guys I want to talk about real quick. Uh, one is Jalen Polk, two is Jalen McMillan, and three is Rome Adunze. Uh, these guys have been absolutely amazing wide receivers this year for uh, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, this is something I want to talk about. Rome Adunze, since the Stanford game, 161, 116, 115. Three straight games with 100 yards. Uh, Jalen McMillan has yet to have a 100-yard game since the Portland State game. And Jalen Polk has actually only been targeted four times since the Michigan State game where he had 153 yards. Um, you know, I love that that Penix is is finding Adunze. Adunze is a beast. Adunze is an absolute monster as a wide receiver. I love Roma Adunze so much. And I love that he, he finds he's like Tyler Lockett. He's 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 like 7-Eleven. He's always open. And I love it. But I do want to see uh, Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan do get into the mixes because I want to see these guys definitely get more time. You know, Jalen McMillan has had a great season so far. Uh, 31 catches for 453 yards. Uh, Jalen McMillan, of course, or Jalen Polk, though, 16 catches for 286 yards. I mean, for a guy who had a game where he had 153 yards, I mean, that's not really a lot of yards in the air. But I still love that that Penix is is mixing things up. He's finding different targets for, and getting different players involved. But this week, like I said, is all about the running game and all about like Cameron Davis and Wayne Tulapapa going off. And I believe that that is, you know, you can still find those guys open. Um, I want to say a bold prediction for the, uh, I want to say a bold prediction for this week. But I do believe Roman Dunze is going to have his fourth straight 100-yard game uh, here against Arizona. And it's always fun to watch wide receivers go over 100 yards. It's always fun to see that. Um, But it's even more special when you can do it four straight weeks in a row. I mean, that's hard to do. Uh, Doing it two weeks in a row is, I want to say fairly easy, but doing it three weeks in a row, that's very hard. Four weeks in a row, that's very hard. But I... I'm such I'm so in love with this Husky team. I swear to God, this is one of the best Husky teams that we've seen in a long time. Um, big thing in this game is to keep the other team out of the end zone. That's the biggest thing for, I have for the defense this week. Is just to try to keep trying to keep Arizona on their ta- on their on their tail on their toes. Try to keep them out of the end zone. Uh, get as many stops as you can on third down because. Um, you know, we saw here against uh, UCLA and against, uh, you know, against Arizona State that, you know, these guys were missing tackles. They were missing tackles. That, that's that's a big no-no. That, that's, I think that's a big reason why we did lose these two games. But, you know, mistakes do happen. I, I'm not even going to lie. Mistakes happen. But I believe that the Huskies are going to come away with this win this weekend. I, I definitely want to get in the same boat. I, I, I will refrain from my jinx reasons. Uh, but uh, one thing that, that they also really need to do, because preventing touchdowns is great. That's awesome. But before they need to do that, they need to prevent big plays. Um, the, the stats from last week show that they allowed 11 plays of over 15 yards. And you're, you're just simply not going to win games like that. That's just going to... Like, it's just going to elongate drives. It's just going to just get the defense tired. And one thing that I would really hope for from um, a defensive perspective for the Huskies is that they're a little bit healthier this weekend. Love to see um, 
a little all I get back in the game this weekend because uh, I I thought Javon Parker, the true freshman from Detroit, did a great job last weekend. I think he's an awesome player. Him and his brother are going to be studs on the defensive line. But having true freshmen play defensive tackle is not always a winning formula. And when they're forced into it, that's fine. There's nothing you can do about that. And these coaches were put in a situation where they didn't, didn't necessarily have a lot of depth at the position coming into the season. When Nonagalu transferred, Taki Taimani transferred, that's tough. But if Ali is healthier, and I think Latuli Gasanoa played, I think it was 15 snaps, something like that. He wasn't on the field a ton. So getting healthy and getting right at defensive tackle and being able to have a, a full rotation in there is going to go a long way towards keeping him out of the end zone and towards eliminating big plays. So having just health in there is going to be really crucial this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see the Huskies this weekend uh, really have an emphasis on making Jaden Delora uncomfortable. When you have a quarterback that's mobile and athletic, you really have to start there. It starts with your pass, ru- pass rush and, you know, your combination of mixing up your coverages and disguising coverages and sending in blitzes as well. So I'll be interested to see what the defense does in that perspective this week. Um, as we said, you know, they go a lot of man. So it'll be interesting to see what scheme they come up with. Worst thing that can happen for a defense is when a mobile quarterback uh, starts to get comfortable. That's the last thing you want. So, Jaden, I have a question for you. Just kind of as, as a quarterback, would you – um, if you're playing against a mobile quarterback, would you rather, especially with this edge group that they have that is super talented, would you yeah. rather see them kind of play contain and just kind of keep him in the pocket or play with a guy who's super athlete like Cam Bright is? Would you rather him play kind of a quarterback spy and just kind of just keep an eye on Delora and just follow him around the field that way? Yeah, I think, you know, it all depends on situations of the game, right? So it, it and this is what the film breakdown I was referring to earlier. It really all depends on down and distance, who's in the game, what formations are in. It All of that is an emphasis and, and uh, contributes to the specific situation that happens on the field. But as a mobile quarterback, you know, it's always kind of irritating when you have really athletic uh, rush ends. Um, and when they can hit him a couple times, like that starts to get to your head a little bit. So. I think it is necessary to have a spy on him throughout the game. I don't know if we'll see that a whole lot in the first half. Um, that might be a halftime adjustment that they make depending on how Delora uses his feet throughout the game. But as I said earlier, you know, it really goes back to establishing your pass rush and getting him uh, uncomfortable and disrupted throughout the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, so looking up on the betting lines, I know you hate it when I do this, Roman. <laughs> I know you hate it when I do this. So right now we're looking at the betting line. Uh, Huskies are 14-point favorites, and the over-under is 72 and a half. Um, I'm, I'm going to be honest, Jaden. I'm going to take both the points and the over, and I'm going to take the over-under on this one. I'm going to take the under on this one. I don't think there's going to be that many points put up. But I still think the Huskies come away with at least a 20-point win in this one because... Again, I think the Huskies are going to take advantage of the the fact that Arizona has uh, allowed way too many rushing yards this year, and they're going to they're going to take advantage of that. They're going to uh, be able to run the ball very efficiently. Michael Penix is going to have a very relaxed game uh, in the pocket. I feel like it's not going to rely on his arm in this game. It's just going to come down to these two guys in Cam Davis and Wayne Tulapapa to run the ball against Arizona. They're going to be able to create uh, big plays to where. 
uh, both Tulapapa and Davis can get through. I mean, for God's sakes, Cam, da- Cam Davis had three touchdowns this past week. Let's see if he can get four this week. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Definitely. Uh, so, are you going to be taking the Are you going to be taking the line the the line on this game? I take the under for this one. Okay, I agree. I, I'm going to take the under on it as well. Um, Roman, your bold prediction for this week, man. Do you want to give it? Oof. I, you know, I've been thinking about it because I've been bouncing between I want to do something offensive, but I always stay on the offensive side of the ball, which is which is really easy with this team because it's so fun to watch. I'm going to go with the defensive side, and I'm going to say after um, just no sacks over the past two weeks, I'm going to say they drop Jaden Delora three times and they get two turnovers. I don't know if it's a sack fumble, just some, just, I think they're going to just force two turnovers this weekend. And that is going to be the key to, to beating this team is just keeping the ball out of their hands and just, just running it up. So that's what I'm going to go with this week. Definitely. Uh, Jane, your predictions uh, for this game. Uh, so I'm an offensive guy, so I'm going to stick with offense. Um, I think the Huskies offense gets back on track with the W. I think Penix uh, is comfortable back there. I think they run the ball well. I predict that they run the ball over, uh, I'm going to say over 230 on the ground this game, and they throw for about 270. So that's going to be my guess. And um, I'm, I'm even going to, I'm going to even go with the final score. I think Huskies win, I'm going to say 48 to 32. I love it. I love it. And uh, this upcoming week, uh, there's only three Pac-12 teams that are playing uh, this this upcoming week, uh, which is, I think, a huge. Uh, I want to say it's it's very huge for the for the Huskies right here because again, you know, you're looking at you're looking at Oregon having a pack. You're looking at Oregon having a bye week. You're looking at Wazoo having a bye week. So that's a big time. Uh, two teams to gain ground in this in the standings to get back into the uh, into the Pac-12 championship uh, standings, and you're absolutely right. I like I like that prediction that you had. I love the scoreline that you predicted. By the way, Jaden, that's that's awesome. Um, but uh, Jaden, uh, I want to go ahead and say before we get you off here, man, thank you so much for uh, being a part of uh, tonight's podcast, man. I really appreciate you coming on here and definitely taking the time to uh to you know taking taking almost an hour and a half out of your day just to just to talk sports with us talk mariners yeah. seahawks and huskies and uh for everybody be sure to go check out his uh podcast young soul minded podcast uh available on spotify and apple is that correct spotify for now we're getting we're getting apple set up all right uh do you do you do it over anchor by the way uh, we do rss and then just upload it okay all right. Yep. Well, yeah. Good luck on uh, getting the uh, the apple on there. But uh, Jade, man, uh, I want to say once again, thank you so much for joining uh, me and Roman tonight talking Huskies. Uh, thank you so much for talking uh, Seahawks and Mariners for over an hour, man. And I hope you have a wonderful evening, brother. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. You have a good one. No Let's problem, man. Go dogs. Yeah. Go dogs. Jordan Sheffy, everybody, and uh, Roman. Uh, we're almost coming to the end of our segment. Uh, K-Hart's not going to be joining us tonight. He's actually in New York City tonight. That's an okay place to be. I mean, I hope the Yankees keep losing, so, you know. (laughs) That's all I'll say about New York. I wonder why. I wonder why you hope. I wonder why you hope it. Uh, So, I'm going to go. I need. Yeah. 
So I got to go dark here for a couple seconds, man. I want you to take over on the mic, uh, talk anything that you want to talk for right now, but I will be right back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, one thing that I really want to cover for just for a couple minutes here is I want to really talk about uh, the just the, the secondary scheme and just because Jaden did a really great job of covering that the Huskies are currently playing a lot of cover zero and a lot of cover one. And one thing that personally I've been really disappointed with, with watching this defense over the past couple of weeks is it's been really, really hard to just kind of get an idea of this attacking scheme of defense when there's been no sacks over the past two weeks. That's been just kind of really hard for me as an analyst, as a, as a fan, and as a media member, just to kind of wrap my head around it, is just to not see this defense take, getting those takeaways and getting just getting to the quarterback at all, really, with a really talented edge group. And it's just allowing super easy throws because a lot of times with this, this cover zero and the cover one, it's forcing a quarterback to make tough throws. It's getting pressure in his face and forcing him to get the ball out before he really wants to. And that hasn't really happened at all in the past couple of weeks. So that's been really hard to watch. And then it's been really tough to watch, um, like I was saying earlier, safeties like Alex Cook and Cam Pickulanen having to come down into man coverage and then just honestly getting cooked. It's not, no pun intended. Um, it's not necessarily super exciting, super promising to see something like that happen week in and week out. And one thing that I've been thinking about, because I'm a big NFL guy too, uh, one thing that has really revolutionized, I wouldn't want to say revolutionized because it's not like it's a, it's a brand new thing, but one thing that has really been huge in the NFL at eliminating big plays, and some Husky fans are going to not be too happy with this, but it's just kind of going back to the, the too high model that we saw under Jimmy Lake's defenses, where they were playing way too high, like that again, no pun intended. Um, but they were playing way too far off the ball, and it was just kind of keep everything in front of you with the too high, don't let these explosive plays happen, which was great and it worked. And I think that uh, Chuck Morrell and William Inge really need to work some of that into their defense because that is what really is going to help eliminate those big plays, and they're not going to get keep getting tortured at the top. And that's gonna, especially with Asa Turner coming back this weekend, that's not going to have. Um, these guys, these safeties play man coverage against wide receivers and they keep losing. They're like, the, the safeties shouldn't be asked to play as much man coverage as they do. They can't keep doing that. That's not a recipe for success. And it's just honestly frustrating to watch when you can see it happening. Like, oh, well, yep, man coverage against Alex Cook, that's where the ball's going. And I don't want to call him out because he's a great player. He's a great guy. I love speaking to him. But the coaching staff is not putting in him putting him in the best position to succeed and it's just not fun to watch that's my rant i appreciate it man well that's going to do it for me and roman uh that's going to do it for the husky segment roman uh hopefully next week man we are talking about a brand spanking new husky victory man i always appreciate your time coming on here from realdog.com roman uh tomashoff please tell me i said that last name correctly tomashoff you were close damn i was i was so close on that one (laughs) But uh, Roman, I'm saying good night, man. And uh, by the way, let's go ahead and welcome in uh, Eddie from Ducks and Pucks. Eddie, what's going on, brother? How's it going, guys? How's it going? Hey, hey, thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for inviting me, dude. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, Roman, like I said, man, I'll talk to you next Friday, brother. See you then. And uh, again, welcome. Take a shot (laughs) on the pod. I knew it. I knew you were going to do that. Uh, But. uh, 
you know, uh, Kehart was supposed to be on here, but he decided to go to New York. A very such a selfish person. What a selfish know, jerk. Go to New York. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, man. What a selfish jerk. No, I'm kidding. He's 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 a great guy. I love him so much. He's a. Uh, hey, so been- uh, before we start, what's the link to this so I can post it like on Twitter and Instagram so I can get people on here so we can listen to us. There, let me go ahead and get you the hockey. <laughs> Let me go here. I'm actually sending you the link right now. Uh, your flag phone. Behind you too. That flag Say what? That flag behind you is badass. Oh yeah, the No Shoes Nation. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I love I love my No Shoes Nation flag. I went to I went to Kenny's uh, concert here uh, this past year, and I actually got onto his latest music video. Nice, nice. Cheers to you, brother. I appreciate it, man. I got water going. <laughs> oh man, I've been uh, I've been going crazy so. Yeah, you gotta you gotta slow down, man. Yeah. But anyway, man, we got some uh, interesting things to talk about, especially this uh, this first game, opening night is Kraken versus Ducks. <laughs> what are the odds that my two teams get to face off for opening day, and what an opening day it was? Oh yeah. Oh, what yeah. an opening day it was. This was a five to four Ducks win over the Kraken. Uh, the Kraken, though, I will say this. Positive note, they got a point out of this. They were able to escape this game with a point. The bad news is we lost. That's the yeah. bad news. You know what? Your team for Kraken from last season to this season, just that one game, holy shit, they looked good. They looked on fire. And I, I told people, too, with the Kraken this season, they have nothing to lose. They have no pressure. And teams are going to go and try to play them and underestimate them, but they're not going to roll over and die down. You have, like, I told you, I was texting or tweeted, Matty Berniers, that kid is, wow. I'm like in disbelief. I'm jealous that you guys have him. I wish he was part of the Ducks organization, too. He's going to be a superstar. You guys are lucky to grab him. Yeah, and uh, Matty Beniers continuing his little trend, by the way. I want to go ahead and point this out. So Matty Beniers in 11 games in his career has 11 points. And I think that's, and I think that's absolutely the most, that is such a mind, or excuse me, in the 12 games that he has played, he has 12 points, four goals and eight assists. And this past evening, he had a goal. He was able to come away with an assist. Shane Wright was able to get onto the ice for the first time, but there was so many good things about this game. Look, I, this is the first time that I can actually talk about a Kraken loss and say, I'm not too bummed about this because the Kraken showed a lot of fight in this. The only thing that I have to say about this Kraken team, I want Ryan Donato off this fucking team. <laughs> Ryan Donato last year did not lead the Kraken in penalty minutes. Yeah. What he did lead the Kraken is in late game stupid penalties that cost us goals. And Ryan Donato with two really bad penalties in this game and this is this is something that I thought was very interesting was the uh, we'll talk about the crack and about this one. But this is something that I found so interesting because it was the it was the power play by the teams um, in a combined in, in a combined with the power plays here. Uh, team, the, 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 the teams were six or were five for eight on power play goals. Are you kidding me? I've never seen that before in my life. I've never seen two teams combine to go to go five for eight on power plays. That's unbelievable. Um, the Kraken, though, 
this is something that I needed to talk to you about. You you mentioned it just now. Yes, this Kraken team is completely different from last year. One big spot, the power play. The Kraken were among the worst power play units in the NHL last year. And they're f- and this year in two games, in two games they are first. They are first in the entire league. And that's incredible that in just two games, the Kraken have shown they've they've just done so well. They've done so well uh when it came to power play when it came to the power plays. I want to go ahead and bring let's go. so they were three for five on power plays here against the uh against the ducks, and then they were one for six against the uh against the LA Kings last night. So, you know, uh four for eleven, that's still really good. I consider that really good, but you know, when you do have six power plays you should walk away with a couple more goals, but I mean, Jonathan quick, of course was absolutely monstrous in that game, but the game against the ducks was so much fun to watch. It it was so much fun to watch because it was back and forth. And the fact that the ducks were able to come back from it was pretty amazing. But can we also say this dude, Trevor Zegers, what in the, what the crap kind of shot was that? That was an amazing Uh, shot by Zegers. Oh my God. Yeah. That was a, a good shot. I have to admit, I crashed out early, so I didn't finish the game. Um, like I, I tweeted I, after the first period, I, t- I t- uh, took more shots than the Ducks. I had like one of those days where I just told my buddy, like, you know what, this is fuck- let's fucking drink and blah blah blah. So I was like, I could have like, wait, the shot total, the Ducks, like, what the heck? At that point, they only had nine shots. Now they're credited with ten. At that time, I took ten shots that day. So I'm like, okay, oh I have my more God, shots, more shots than the Ducks. Like, what the hell is going on? Uh, the Kraken outplayed them two periods. Now, I was watching the first period. I was like, holy hell. Like, like that first minute or so when Terry scored and like, everyone got happy. I'm like, all right, Doug's cool. I've seen something different. And the Kraken took over shot after shot after shot. And uh, Mike and I were talking about this on our latest podcast that the defense is going to be a problem. We can't let Gibson get all these shots, these 40-plus shots like he does uh, did last season. It's going to burn him out. It's going to just spiral the ducks down come january or february uh, they started off hot last season and then look what happened gibson went down he got fatigued and the team just went down the toilet now i'm not saying the ducks are a playoff team at all like i i'm, I'm a realistic fan i'm not gonna be like oh yeah my team's gonna win the stanley cup this season absolutely not they're not a, a contender at all in my opinion but i like i said i want to see improvement and i'm pretty sure you're happy with that improvement too like seeing the kraken i was really impressed with the kraken and it seems like they're going to be an exciting team to watch and, and, and fun. And the only thing I had an issue with, uh, Shane Wright on the fourth line, uh, he's a, he was a projected first overall, uh, a projected first overall. He went fourth overall to you guys. You guys uh, got lucky to get him. Why put him on the fourth line? Like, I just That's kind of a, I don't know, a questionable move in my opinion. It's Dave Hackstall. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true that. No, you're, you're absolutely right. This is something that I found just mind-boggling. 48 to 27 shots on goal. I mean, the fact that the that the Kraken only came away with four goals on 48 shots says a lot more about John Gibson than it does oh, about yeah. the Kraken. But this was even better as Oliver Borgstrand and Andre Perkovsky were able to get goals in this game. First uh, game as a, as a member of the Kraken. But is it an ironic that the guy who got the first ever goal in Kraken history is the one who opens the scoring for the Kraken again this year. Jared McCann with 
yet another opening day goal. And it's it's just awesome to see Jared McCann play because... Oh, you can't see my phone. I have him on fantasy. <laughs> oh, there you go. You got him on your... Fa- there you go. At yeah. least you got him on your fantasy. You got to get Matty Beniers on there. You got to find a way to trade for him. I didn't know he had the opening goal uh, for uh, the first cracking goal ever last season. That's, yeah, he did. He had me. the... He had the first ever. Uh, he had the first ever uh, goal uh, for the for the Seattle Kraken. It was really. It was pretty good. Um, so, I want to pull this up for Shane Wright. This is something that I, I I wanted to go over. Is you're absolutely right. I did not like the fact that he did not that uh, he was on the fourth line. He only spent a little over six minutes out on the ice. Um, that to me. That's not smart. That's not smart by by Hackstall. That's not smart at all by Hackstall. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, we, we, we need to give up Hacksaw. We need to we need to get another coach. But here's the thing. Look, you need it. You can't do it. You can't do a, a manager change after one year. You, you just can't. I mean, do, do I do I think Hacksaw is the guy for the future? No, I, I don't absolutely think he's the he's the guy for the year. But I do think that you give him this year and you might actually see something that Hacksaw can put together and. But when you see, but when you see guys like Shane Wright out on the fourth line, you know I get that it was his fourth game, but at least give the kid a little bit of credit. Put him on the third line at least. That was something that I I was not happy about was Shane Wright getting put on the on the fourth line because I don't think that I don't think the the number four overall guy deserves to be on the on the fourth line, which I find is ironic. He was he's the fourth pick overall, but yet he gets put on the <laughs> on the fourth line, but. No, you're absolutely right. Shane Wright did not deserve that last night. He or the other night, he definitely deserved to be on the third line at least, get a little bit more uh, playing time out on the ice. Yeah, it's like like you said, like, uh, you looked up six minutes of playing time. That's not going to do it for a kid that wants to develop. He's a brand new rookie. He has to get adjusted to the NHL, playing against the best players in the world. Put up up against that. He's going to have growing pains. He's going to screw up. That's that's only natural for all the rookies that, that to go through that. But if you want proper development. You have to give him those minutes. If not, send him back. Send him down and let him go and play that, that number one line, get the number one power play, and let him just develop properly. But throwing him on the fourth line just to have him out there, that's just wrong. It's just like if the Ducks would have put Zegers in the fourth line last season or uh, started McTavish in the fourth line, it's just it's not going to work for players like that. He's a skilled player. Uh, obviously, he's a skilled player. He went fourth overall, projected to be number one. But it's just it's kind of ludicrous to me to see him on the fourth line. So, so my question to you, and everyone's been talking about this, Shane Wright's attitude. People said he dropped in the draft because of his attitude. I've read articles about his attitude. You follow the Seattle Kraken. That, that That's your forte. So you probably know a lot more than just random people tweeting and random like analysts that don't even follow the Kraken that, that well tweeting. What do you think about his attitude? Is it a hockey attitude or just people? I just- think it. I up. think it's an attitude that he believes in himself. I like that. I have okay. no issues with the fact that he's betting on himself. Um, you know, we can make we can make comparisons with Jared Kelnick and Shane Wright uh, because Jared Kelnick is, of course, playing with the Mariners. He he was betting on himself. He had that attitude that he was better than everybody thought he was, but it turns out that he's not. That could probably be the same with with Shane Wright, but I feel like Shane Wright is actually in a better. I think he's a lot more mature than people give him credit for. That's the thing. I think he's a lot more mature than people ever give him credit for. And I think that, you know, look, if teams didn't like his attitude, guess what? Why would you, why do you want to get, why do you want a perfect player? 
That's not what hockey's about, in my opinion. A a player who's got the attitude like Shane Wright, that is a player. And I love that Shane Wright does believe in himself because that also, that promotes positive mentality, not just onto him, but also onto the other players. And I love it. Um, So the, the, the fact that three teams decided not to draft Shane Wright because of his attitude, that was the wrong move, in my opinion. But... You know, we've had we've had John Forslund on this podcast many times, and he said it he said it multiple times. We don't know what these high draft picks will do. We don't know exactly what these kids will do. Um, right now, we're getting a great uh, we're getting a great uh, view of what Matty Veneers is going to be doing. I, I believe that Matty Veneers is definitely the superstar that we drafted him, and this is something that I also wanted to point out. Uh, so, in both games against the Ducks and the Kings. He had 21 shifts. Is on the is he on the ice for 17 minutes in the in uh, against the Kings and almost five seconds uh, below 20 minutes for the game against the Ducks. I think that Matty Beniers should not be on the second line. I I, I don't I, I don't like that 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 Axel put him on the second line. I get that he's just this is his first real big season. I get it. But when you got a guy who is who has put up 12 points in 12 games, I want to look this up because th- this is something that I find so funny. He played 10 games last year. He had nine points. He had three goals, six assists. Um, and he had a really good faceoff win percentage. He had a he had a 40 42.39, but a, a lot of people want it to be a little bit better. He's got a 50% uh, faceoff percentage this year, which is good. Um, but my take on Shane Wright is you need to put him on the third line. You need to put Matty Beniers at the first line. Um, if you want to develop Shane Wright, fine. Send him down to Coachella. Yep. Let him be a Firebird. For first of all, I love that name, the Coachella oh, Firebird. Yeah. I fucking love that <laughs> name. We have to go to a game over there. That's gonna be wild over there. I need a little trip away from here. But I totally agree with you. The only thing dude, I might... come, dude. Here's the thing: come up here for the game. Uh, with hang on a sec, I need to look this up. I need to look this up because you, know, yeah. you, you and you and Mike both need to come up here. Okay. I, I, I want to travel more, and I want to like see different arenas. So I have a Spain trip coming up. My buddy wants to go to Cancun, but after that, like I, I want to like, and I don't even care if the Ducks play uh, uh, the Kraken. I'll just go watch a Kraken game and cheer for them. Whoever they're playing against, if they're if they're playing Colorado, obviously I'm just here for Colorado. But but yeah, I just want to experience new arenas, new meet new fans and stuff like that. Hockey's a a beautiful sport, and we like it is. I, I, there's something I don't know. There's something special about it. And when I connect with fans, or I'm at the bar and I find out they're hockey fans, it's an instant instant connect. It's kind of similar to when I talk to people and tell them I was in the army, and I find out they're in the military. We have that brother or sisterhood, and we just like automatically connect. It's like the same with hockey. Like I love yeah. it. It just so, this sport's amazing. So you're not gonna believe this. So the 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 ducks do not travel to Seattle until March. Holy crap! Are you? That's that's such crap. And the bad part is, is that the first game that they play, I'm actually gonna be in Arizona. That's uh-huh. the worst part. Well, we should meet Man. up in Arizona. We should. Oh, do that. dude, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, in Arizona, I don't think the I don't think the I don't think Phoenix will be playing. But let me see. Let me see. Oh, oh the, hey, you know what? College. It, it, Arizona College, I heard, is a big party college. 
they're playing at the college. There's a lot of cute girls over there. Let's <laughs> let's go and have some fun. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I got good news, man. So uh, looks like we do have a game uh, in Arizona when uh, I'll be there in Arizona. So yeah, I mean, if 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 I don't go to one of the baseball games that I'm going to, definitely we'll we'll catch that game. But uh, no, I, I'm being honest. You and Mike definitely got to come up here for a game. It doesn't matter if the Ducks are playing or not. But I think you, I think next March, on the 30th of March, you guys got to come up here, and because they're playing the Ducks as well, you guys got to enjoy that. And if you guys do come up here, I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with you guys. Oh, nice. I'll talk to Mike. Yeah, uh, Mike and I have been planning a trip. I think he wanted to go to Vegas in a few weeks or maybe next month. He was talking about. I've heard that's an incredible arena. Oh, yeah. Well, no, we just want to go to Vegas just to have fun in Vegas. But um, yeah, but you know what? I went there when it like the first season it opened. It was just amazing. It's nice. It's beautiful. The only thing I didn't like about it is like I bought a, a nice $5 tall can of Bud Light Lime. I was all happy. Cool. $5 in Vegas. Walking in there all happy. And nope, you can't bring it in. Like, okay, cool. Oh, my God. No. The third That's period. Terrible. The third period, I'm watching the Avalanche play too. So third period, I'm like, all right, I want another beer. I'm in Vegas. I have like two more days here. I'm going to go buy another beer. No, we stopped uh, serving after uh, the second period. Like, wait, what, what the heck? It's Vegas. Yeah, but it's legal. Wow. I'm like, oh, man, can I go outside and buy a beer? No, you can't. If you leave, you can't come back. Like, ah. Uh-huh. So I had to sit there just all grumpy and mad watching hockey without a beer in Vegas. I'm like, Jeez. I'm getting sober. So, so here's a quick question for you, man. Uh, Xbox or PS5? PS5. Okay, uh, we're starting uh, the Seattle Sports Diaries is actually starting up a Twitch channel here soon. We're uh, I'm actually thinking about starting it up tonight, just because I think I'm actually going to give in after this podcast and go get my uh, my PGA 2K23 game and go get my Xbox. Nice, nice. You know what? Um, it was a funny story about how I got my PS5 during the whole pandemic crap. My PS4 oh, no. broke. So I'm sitting here bored. I wasn't working. Like I was just sitting here. I'm like, what am I going to do? My PS4 broke. I can't do anything. So I went online. I had to buy a, a PS5. I had to spend like 750 bucks for it. I had to overpay for it. I was that desperate. I tried to buy another PS4, but the price was so inflated. So that's oh why I got God. my PS5. But you know what? I love it. It's cool. It's great. I, I found out they came out with a, a little smaller one that had a better memory and better gigs. Too bad I can't get that one. But you know what? I, I do love my PS5. There you go, man. All right. Last thing before we get uh, done with this hockey segment. So the Kraken uh, faced off, of course, last night against the L.A. Kings. That was that was a very well put together game by the Kraken. That was that it was a they cleaned up so much. They cleaned up everything that they needed to clean up because they made a ton of mistakes against the Ducks. But they were able to take advantage of everything that the Kings gave them. The only thing now, this is even funnier. Combined power plays. Uh, they gave up another power play goal. So the, so that's the problem right now with the PK unit. The PK unit's given up four power play goals this year. Or, excuse me, three power play goals this year on, I think, nine attempts, which is not good. Because if everybody remembers last year, the, the, the Kraken PK unit was very, very good. And I find that very ironic because the PP unit was not good, but the PK unit was good. But the duck, but again, uh, the the Kraken had uh, six six power plays in this game. Uh, scored once. It was. But can we we need to also talk about this? Martin Jones coming off the bench in place of Philip Grubauer absolutely was dominant in this one. 
allows one goal on 27 shots. I mean, you got to give the rookie some, you got to give that kid some credit because that's, that's impressive that you can come off the bench and be able to hold the Kings to one goal. Um, and Andre Perkowski, of course, uh, with a, uh, with a brilliant game in this one, uh, he was one of the three stars of the game. Adam Larson, of course, with the empty netter, uh, Alex Winberg, Brandon Tanev, Turbo Tanev is back. Baby. <laughs> he gets one of the goals. And of course, J- and of course, uh, Schwartzy, Jaden Schwartzy, uh, able to get the first goal. But, uh, you know, this, this was an all around great victory for the Kraken because they were able to clean up the mistakes that they made against the Ducks and they put together an absolute perfect game. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, Martin Jones, a uh, former Kings player, I think he always plays well against the King, his former team. I'm glad to see him have a good game. I know he's been bouncing around a lot. Uh, the San Jose thing didn't really work out. The funny thing about Martin Jones, when the Kings traded him, uh, the, the, the Sharks wanted him at first, but the Kings didn't want to trade him to a division rival. So they went and traded him to Boston. Boston flipped him to San Jose, and that's how he became uh, San Jose Shark. That's a funny little story about Martin Jones. But you know what? He played really well. He always does against the Kings. I think the Kings and people uh, are, are holding him to a higher standard because of last season. I think last season for, for LA it was a fluke. They're a really good team. They have a lot of good uh, prospects in the pipeline. I think they're probably top five in the league with prospects. I just think that they're not ready to make that next step. Um, you have like players like Kopi had a real season last season, but he's up there in age and he's not going to be able to perform like that. You lost Dustin Brown too for LA. Yeah, he wasn't a player that he once was, but he still provides that leadership and, and still provides that, that up for that team. I think LA, uh, the only thing they have right now good, I think with LA, they're good defensively and they're good on special teams. They held your crack into only one power play goal, but you guys held them to one power play goal on what they had like five chances to. I think LA for uh, California is a little bit overrated. But yeah, Martin Jones, uh, I think he played phenomenal. Uh, I was watching that game last night too. That's why I made that comment about like, like Bernier's like, holy shit, this guy's fucking awesome again. Um, yeah, but Martin Jones, I really hope he has a bounce back year. I've never been sold on Grubauer. Uh, when he played in Washington, I wasn't sold on him. When he got uh, to, uh, to Colorado, everyone's like, oh, Grubauer, yeah, he's good. No, he, he, he wasn't that good. He's a, I, I want to say 1B goalie at the most. Like he's not... He's not the goalie of the future, so I really hope the Kraken found something and have a different spark and rejuvenation in Martin Jones because I do like Martin Jones. I think like he has a lot of potential, and when I see I seen him on his game, he's just phenomenal. So I'm really uh, hoping that Martin Jones gets that flame back, takes number one spot, and really elevates the Kraken and helps them win a few games and and just makes them do better than last season. Yeah, people have been getting on Grubauer a lot, and I really wish people wouldn't get really would not put Grubauer down because people forget that he was once one of the best uh, goalkeeper goaltender or goalkeepers in the uh, in the NHL. But it's just he does he does have a hard time of, of of blocking shots when he needs to. But again, you know the game against the Ducks. I don't I don't think they're I don't think he should take a lot of blame for that one because. Again, you had Zegers oh, no. with an incredible shot. And, of course, uh, What's-His-Face had an, an amazing snipe shot to win the game. I mean, that's oh, just... Terry. It, yep. Yeah, Troy Terry, just absolutely amazing shot. I mean, there's just really... I, even the best goaltenders uh, can can have bad games, and that's exactly what happened to Grubauer. But, uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to uh, this upcoming week where the, the Kraken have got... Let's see, how many games do they have this upcoming week? They have... Four games in this upcoming week, including one where they face your Colorado Avalanche. 
Oh, that's going to be a fun one. I'm going to watch that for sure. Um, yeah, you know what? I, like, I don't mean to give, like, Grubauer that much shit. I just watched him in Colorado a lot. I watched I watched all the Ducks games. I watched all the Avalanche games. And then I watched whoever's playing when, when both those teams aren't playing. I'll watch whatever. I just I love watching hockey. But it's Grubauer. He's never really got it for me. And I'll say this, too. Even though he's a Stanley Cup champion, Darcy Kemper didn't really have it for me either uh, in Colorado. For some reason, when goalies go to Arizona, they just play phenomenal. You had Berzgalov when he got uh, claimed off waivers. He just, for some reason, they have a, I don't know, their goalie coach has like voodoo magic. It makes them just phenomenal when they're in Arizona. But when they leave, it's just like, what the hell? But yeah, um, let me see. Uh, you said the Kraken play, they play Vegas uh, on Saturday. Okay, yeah. I'll cheer for the Kraken then. Carolina's going to be a tough one. I think they have St. Louis and Colorado's going to be a good game next Friday. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would I wouldn't be uh, too upset if the Kraken were able to walk away from this uh, from this four game stretch with a two and two record. Uh, I can definitely see the Kraken getting that. But, you know, the most important thing of this season for the Kraken is definitely uh, improving of uh, what they did last year. Definitely uh, staying above that playoff line for the points and, uh, you know, just finishing strong. And that's exactly what the Kraken uh, did, especially here against the Kings. Uh, But Eddie. Uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. I appreciate one question. it. One question before we get off. Okay. Do you, do you want the Kraken to make the playoffs or you want them just to approve of last season? Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that then. But anyway, uh, for everybody wondering, uh, go ahead, check out uh, Eddie's podcast. He does it also with, you uh, uh, know, oh my God, I'm, Mike Walters, the boss man. There we go. Mike Walters, uh, the Ducks and Pucks. They are an all Anaheim Ducks podcast. And uh, go check them out. They are one of the best. They, in my opinion, one of the best uh, Anaheim Ducks podcasts, of course, Thank you. Uh, out there. And Eddie, thanks so much for joining me, man. I want to have you and Mike on here uh, later this later this month, man, because we definitely got to talk Ducks, po- Ducks hockey with you guys. Anytime, man. Thank you. I'm so humbled to be on, I'll be on your show, and thank you for the invitation. It was, it was a, a great way to kick off Friday, so thank you so much. Definitely, man. Have a good night. You too. There you go, Eddie from Ducks and Pucks, and that's going to do it for this episode of Seattle Sports Diaries. Be sure to check us out next Friday, uh, 5 o'clock. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was definitely a different time today, but uh, it, was, it was just uh, to help uh, get Jaden uh, on the show. So again, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Have a wonderful evening, noon, or night, or wherever you are watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, and we will see you next Friday.